You are now tuned in to the Property Management Show with your host, Alex Osanenko. We bring in the experts of today so you can be the master of tomorrow in all things property management. Whether it's getting more doors, running a profitable fee-based business, or by simply being the best property manager. So, grab a pen and paper because this episode is sure to be a good one. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to uh, the Property Management Show, guys and girls. Um, I'm here today with my friend, Steve Welty, with Good Life Property Management. Steve, how are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? Oh, not as good as you, but pretty good. Although, no, I'm actually in a bad mood today, and I'll explain why right. in a That's second. Fair. But Steve is one of the most successful and profitable property managers on the planet Earth. I know because we've done a mastermind. We both dug into his numbers a couple of years ago. We've you know, explored a lot of growth ideas. He's implemented a lot. We're going to talk about content. We're going to talk about why he does what he does in terms of investing all this time and money into, into podcasting, into mm -hmm. uh, um, or, you know, uh, expanding his educational um, video lineup and all that stuff. But first, I'm going to say that this is not a usual podcast. Those of you who see on video, you probably see I'm not in a good mood because of my hair. Okay, and my beard. Like Steve is smart. He's wearing a hat. He's usually very well groomed, man. Yeah, very, very well groomed, man. Man, you consistent, right? I, my dude, I am in a bad mood because I don't want to see my barber again. You had that before? You know, I'm in the same boat, and I'm glad you bring it up because I don't like going to the barber. I, I for years, got my hair cut by ladies. And then I realized that barbers are the way to go. And there's like a guy shop down the street. So I hit that place. But uh, it's not fully my vibe, man. I thought about bringing someone over to the house, you know. Uh, I, I, but that's a little rich for my blood. I don't know. I, I might pay it, but it just seems a little gaudy to me. I don't know. So, so stay with us, guys and girls. Stay with us because I'm actually going somewhere with this, right? We're not just going to – Steve and I are just going to riff on haircut here. <laughs> Uh, but but it's actually there's a purpose and and honestly if you look on video you'll see my beard is uncamped it's not lined my hair is thick. I don't know what to do with long hair I hate long hair um, I want short I like short styled hair that I don't have to deal with and I, I like short you know a little little beard but it's not happening that way because I can't I don't want to see my barber and the reason I don't want to see my barber you know why is because he freaking talks to me about these other gigs he wants to do. He wants to play poker and he wants to do right at, uh, uh, drive an Uber and he wants to do all these other things except cutting hair. And I'm like, Anthony, I give up his name, but that's okay. He's not listening. He doesn't listen to podcasts. I told him to listen to some, never listen to any. And told him, Anthony, man, you are good at this, man. So I keep telling him every time, every three weeks, I say, Anthony, you're good at this, man. This is you. He's like, nah, but I'm standing here all day, blah, blah, blah. And I've done some economics for him. All right. Not for him, but I'm, like, I'm like, okay, well, mm -hmm. the guy doesn't want to cut hair anymore. Why would I go? Why would I come back? And he doesn't have problem with getting customers. I think he's just got a problem with, he thinks he can do better elsewhere. But so I pay 25, Steve, I don't know how much, how much you pay for, for a haircut? You know, it's 19, but I'll throw a five or a 10 on that. Exactly. So it's 25 at the barbershop I go to, $10 tip, right? It's 35 bucks. He can cut easily three people in an hour, easily, right? 
Right. That's $100 cash an hour, Steve. Do you make yeah. $100 cash an hour? That's you do, not, but most people money. don't. <laughs> uh, I, I did the math. It comes out to be $192,000 a year. And most of it is in cash, let's face it. All right. So what does he say when you tell him this? That's good money. I haven't told him this yet. Oh, okay. Because I haven't, I've only done the math now and sort of like thinking about this. Um, you know, it, and that's the thing. Like if, if he's got shortage of clients, you know, he can do a blog, Instagram. He can do a lot of different things. I, I tell you, I went on Yelp and I went on Google and I searched salons for men, barbershop. I can't find something. Like it's just either too um it's called too manly in the bar in the barbershop like they mm -hmm. there's like you know i don't know it's just guys with a beard or, or i don't yeah. i don't like i don't i don't i don't subscribe to that vibe or it's ladies salon full service mm -hmm. yeah that's where i'm at now i got the kind of the slick back tatted up guys cutting my hair which i love they're cool guys but you know i'm not not fully my take but yeah there's a niche there and there's money there uh it's it's funny you bring it up because i've been thinking about that too or you got the hip-hop you know type barber yeah. yeah and that's the one i go to and i and i and i love the atmosphere and all that but my dude my guy lost his passion i'm not gonna go to the next barber and say hey can you take me it doesn't work that way like somebody told me before somebody who worked for me said you know the relationship a man has with his barber is very special i never mm. really subscribed to that before <laughs> as i start having my hair recede and my time is you know i don't have time to, to you know, for haircuts and I want to get in, get out during workday, 15, 20 minutes, want to be done. Anyway, so he lost his passion. I'm not coming back to him. Okay. Not coming back to him. And um, here's where I wanted to focus this, this part of this episode is um, we need passion. We need passion in our businesses to achieve success. And I talked about just, just did an ARPA webinar. Good thing it was a webinar. It was no video, Steve. Yeah. So <laughs> I could be, uh, and, and you know, so three, three pillars of success. It's purpose, right? Know your purpose, you know, that drives culture. Then know your numbers. Um, you can't, you don't know your numbers. You don't know. You can't measure. You can't manage. And then you have to always be willing to run experiments. It's a culture of experimentation, innovation. I think you're good on all those three things. We can dig in a little deeper, but, but my barber, man, he stopped experimenting. He, he gave me the same cut and asked me, Hey, I want a little mohawk. And, he just he didn't care enough, right? And yeah. then he doesn't know his numbers. He doesn't know he's, he's he can be making hundred ninety two thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So he you call drive this, an Uber. What is this called? The three. I've seen it, but the three pillars of success. What do you call it? I well, I I call it. I came up with it. Um, I, I'll take I'll take authorship on this one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, probably other people came up with it, but I put it all together and and live by it. So it's purpose. Knowing your purpose as an organization. Right. Right. What are you driving towards? Knowing your numbers. So you can measure and manage and then have a constant innovation, have a culture of constant experimentation. I call it experiments. Right. Um, those are the three things. And you lose the passion, you lose all of these things. And the passion, I think, I don't know where to fit it in this three, but the passion is seems to me a big driver. Like, let's talk about your passion for the business. This is what I wanted to sort of uh, have you come on and talk about because you started, um, did you have like a, love affair with your business re recently did you just like because you've read it for a while and then all of a sudden you do all these great things tell me about that yeah man so i hit this place where i think a lot of us as entrepreneurs can hit where i kind of had to make a decision i was like am i going to go full speed on this deal or am i going to pivot because i'm starting to not lose interest but just like 
what's next? You know, like you're out indoors, you know, like what's the, it, we kind of have ADD sometimes entrepreneurs. So I made the decision that there was still a lot to accomplish. And so I decided to set a lofty, you know, three year or five year goal, you know, get to 3000 units, have a 30% profit Ooh. margin. Wow. And that's kind of what we're going towards. And it gives the team purpose. And I think passion's part of that. And the reason you're disassociating with your barber is because he's totally an the antithesis of who you are and like the type of, and the thing is, it seems so odd to people like us, but most people can't be bothered with things like that. And it's not like to get down on them. It's just, we're a different breed. Like when I was trying to figure out what made me unique and special and what my superpower was, a friend, Clint helped me actually identify it. He's like, you're constantly improving. And you're like, improving your life you're improving your business that's very unique actually most people aren't looking to do that i'm not saying that's like pump myself up it's just like it's an interesting because sometimes i'll i'll put stuff out to my team and i don't get the results i want it's like not everyone wants to do that you know not everyone's looking to build their business improve their stuff so i think that's that's number one um you know kind of just observation but passion i also like the term enthusiasm like enthusiasm is what people are drawn to like on a spirit level, like not to get too crazy with you, but like enthusiasm is very, like you have enthusiasm. So you're very magnetic. And that's something that's actually a great leadership quality that I have on my, I have like a rotating leadership wheel where every month I look at like a different type of leadership and I focus on that. Enthusiasm is a big, big one because even if I'm feeling like crap, I'll show up in the office, high five in like, what's up, what's up? Cause it, it has to come from somewhere. And so I think enthusiasm, passion is like the fuel for the purpose, right? 100%. And exactly. It's actually in my notes. Like as I'm, is that, so by the way, you and I were going to talk about long form content. Really, that was the topic of the show. But I, I you know, I figured, first of all, I don't want to show up on video and I don't want to cancel on you because you and I had, you know, we're both busy. We wanted to, to do this show and, you know, we finally found a time and to schedule it. We're both available. I didn't want to cancel on you. I don't feel good, man. I honestly don't feel good. So I wanted to get it out there and, and draw a parallel because I don't think, I think I've met a lot of property management entrepreneurs who don't feel good about their businesses anymore. Mm -hmm. so, you know, you can see this, this passion when you talk to them about the value propositions, you know, to me, I'm just, I just get juiced up talking about somebody else's stuff, help, helping somebody else identify the right. it. And I don't see that same passion on the, on the other end. Um, which, which is strange, strange to me. And it's not a lot of people, but some people are like that. And I think, I think giving some advice to reignite their passion. Cause I also recently, to be absolutely honest with you, I recently have reignited my own pa passion for the business and I'm a, I'm in a different space right now than I was eight yeah. months ago. Um, so what, what, let's help people rekindle that passion a little bit because that drives purpose and from purpose you get everywhere. So you said the first thing you did is you were um, kind of getting stuck in the same routine, losing interest. So how did you pivot? What was it? What was the, yeah, there we go. What was the point of time where you pivoted? Like, do you remember? Can you go back to that? So, you know, I sat with myself. I don't remember exactly the day or whatnot, but I, I just had to take a, a step back. And that brings up an interesting point that I was talking to someone about the other day is we take very little time as entrepreneurs to take a step back and try to figure out zoom way out and be like, what are, what the heck are we doing? Like, where are we going? What is the purpose? Because, okay, I want to add more doors. Okay. And then what? Uh, because I want more revenue. And then what? Like if you keep and then people, 
you drill down to what the actual purpose is. And uh, one of the things I love about the coaching thing I'm involved in, strategic coach, is like no matter what the coaching program is, is you go away for a quarter and you actually think about what the heck you're doing in your life and your business and like what the purpose is. And we don't do that. Even I or you or even people that are really motivated. Like when's the last time, Alex, you sat and really thought about where you're going to go in the next three years and why you're doing what you're doing. Like you probably did it like rather recently, but you're kind of unique, you know, like people don't do that. So they're probably missing the purpose. Like, what is the purpose? Just show up, get doors. Like, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect I think comes back to, we have a big lifestyle problem. I think in our industry, especially in entrepreneurs, like if you, if then, or if what people, okay. And then what, then what, then what? Everyone wants more time. They want more time off. They want to be with their kids, soccer games, things like that, you know, even if they don't think they do. So I think burnout's a big issue with it. And I think really, I, I ascribe to the motto that to make more money, you actually have to work less. Like, not always, but there's times, there's seasons of life to grind, grind, grind. But I think people get caught in the minutia and then, and then you just get a, your light goes dim. And how can you have passion and enthusiasm when, you know, your batteries are dead? I think it has to do, Steve, on a lot of ways with who you surround yourself with. Okay. Right? Um, if you're a micromanager and you control and you don't take any management courses, you don't listen to podcasts, you, you don't understand the core principles, the basic principles of, of human psychology and management. Some people are natural. Like I feel like I'll admit it. I feel when I need to push, when I need to pull, I just feel that I feel the other person energy. I don't know. I, you know, it's not, mm. you know, it's not voodoo or anything like that, but I just feel like it. Right. I just, there's a lot of information you get through facial expression and voice and all that stuff inflections but um i i think i, I think the, the the ultimate freedom steve is to have kick ass executive team yes right? Th that you constantly feed with passion motivation and you set the long-term vision you are the person to get in front uh there's a big fire you step in you show you show up right you show up you protect your team if there's a lawsuit, you step step in. Don't try to have somebody else to fix it. You know, just step in in the most difficult things. But at the end of the day, you have your executive team, and and I think that's when the freedom is. Man, totally. Without the executive team, you're wearing way too many hats. Um, so let me jump back real quick to your question about when it kind of switched for me. So when it kind of switched for me too was I looked, and Jordan actually really helped me conceptualize this he's like companies that go really big they operationalize sales and marketing and so a light bulb kind of went off for me and i was like you know that's like a new company to me is a sales and marketing company you know what i mean like i started you know with very little experience i didn't even know what blogging was you introduced me to that you know your company was a big help in that and then just learning that. So that's kind of reignited my fire. Um, I think you're absolutely right about the team. So there's a lot of people I think that don't have even the, not executive team, but just the team that is aligned to a single purpose that are fired up to go to work. So I think although that squishy stuff, like core values, like people might sign off and not want to hear core values. They want to know how to add doors. They want, you know, but it starts from the ground up. And so, yeah, biggest game changer for me was getting a leadership team, but I think it also comes down to unique ability was what, what it's called. And, and you're like, what fires you up? What could you do all day if you could right in your business? And so 
I did an exercise where I listed everything I, I did during the day. And I realized that 5% of what I was doing was actually my unique ability. And the way I figured that out was I just marked it. I said, all right, every activity is either I'm incompetent at it, shouldn't be doing it. I'm competent, but I, I can do it, but I don't like it. I'm excellent at it. Like for instance, going on sales appointments, I was really good at it, but it didn't fire me up. I kind of like after the 600 door I'm knocking, I'm kind of like <laughs> dragon, right? Yeah. So, and there's unique ability. So I think there's lots of ways to the mountaintop. You brought up some good points, but I think that's another one is like for people that just aren't feeling it, maybe the guy cutting the hair, maybe that's not where he wants to be because it's just, he's not something he can be passionate about no matter how much dollar signs about it. Maybe he always wanted to be a veterinarian or something. Um, you know, you just don't know. True. But Go after I think- it though. Uh, you know, but I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to be your customer, right? I just, I'm not interested in those who are not passionate about what they do, not really, really good at what they do. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just well, you know, life is too short to spend on people and products that are, you know, let's, honest, let's be honest, not, not, you know, not, you know, not well done. And same thing, I think, with property management services, if your customer, if your customer positions a complaint and it's being resolved, it's addressed, it's being put on the issue board within the team, mm-hmm. and then the team actually produces a video once a month that actually publicly discusses their issue board and how they've addressed the issue. Like that is like the customer will stay. There's not like, I don't know, switching a barber is probably as difficult as switching a property management company. Nobody wants to switch. <laughs> right. That's always awkward. It's painful. But, you know, reintroducing new relationship, new rules, blah, blah, blah. But the point is that point is that it's a pleasure and and unique uh, opportunity to work with professionals, passionate professionals. And it shows and starts at the top. So I think, I think you're right. I think if, if Anthony or, you know, if a, a property management down the, down, down the street is not passionate about the business, yeah, you can sell it, right? You can sell it or bring somebody else passionate, right? Probably one of your team members is passionate. And, and I've seen very successful transactions where the business owner would actually sell part of their business to their second in command to give them a good stake in the business, then go semi-retire. And that second in command reignites the whole organization because they're just given, they're just given the right to run a company, which, you know, they're passionate about. Right. Is that a lot? Right. No, that makes sense. Um, I, you know, it's, it's building the vision. If there's anyone listening that doesn't have, like, where are you taking your, your, your stag? your team, you know, like, where are you headed? That's like one key question that could really change your life and change your business. Because people want to be taken somewhere. And if you don't know, and you're dragging, it's probably time to fire yourself. And that's funny. Actually, now that I think about it, this was the first quarter that I actually had the team review me, I did like a performance evaluation on myself, I had the team like review me because I think kind of Steve Rosenberg gave me the idea where it's like, he's big on like, you're not doing your job, like you should be fired as the owner, right? And so I'm like, interesting, I wonder what will happen. And I actually got some really cool insight from it. One of my accountabilities is culture. And they said the culture had been struggling a little bit due to the high volume of work load, and that we hadn't done a team outing in a while. And so if they wouldn't have reviewed me, I wouldn't have known that. And so we made some changes. So um, communication, man. Mm. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I think it's, I think all this squishy stuff are in fact foundational for the business success. And, and there's like passion is number one. Um, you can see these young hustlers coming out and 
and getting three, 400 units in a year um, with all that passion. And a lot of incumbents just sit there sort of like shrug and, and say, well, we'll see how they do. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I wanted to take just two minutes of your time and say thank you to our sponsor, a company who makes this podcast a reality. That's Four and Half, my company. We do marketing for property management companies. We've done it for the last seven years, and the latest innovation we're introducing is guaranteed plans. That's right. We, we're able to guarantee the performance of our marketing and website services to you if you hire Four and Half to do both your marketing and the website. It all starts with a thorough business performance review where we really take a deep look into your business, SEO, uh, business practices, your uh, identify current up gaps and areas of opportunity, and then figure out how to close them for you. Then we're gonna guarantee a specific outcome in terms of results. And if that aligns with your goals for the business, we can sign you up for this guarantee plan and deliver the results to you or work for free. If you have any uh, if you would take, take a further look at this, go to fourandhalf.com, hit pricing, and take a look at our guaranteed plans. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. So let, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about, you said something that I thought was interesting, um, and I think let's mesh the two together. So I'd say that happiness really starts when you have competent, it's called leadership team, right? When you have a mm. competent leadership team you can rely on, people who are actually better than you in, the, in their specific disciplines. Sales marketing. You said something um, that Jordan passed to you, which is operationalized marketing and sales. Let's talk about that a little bit. What have you done on the sales and marketing side that you feel are going to get you that three thousand? So, or what are you doing? What's the plan look like? So here's what the plan looked like. I studied all the people that are growing a lot and have good companies. I haven't seen anyone all their books, but they appear to have good companies, right? They're growing at least adding doors. And they all have one thing in common. They have killer SEO. Would you agree? Like you Google them or you, not them, you Google property management or any related keyword and they pop up. So I went from about two years ago being having really no clue what that meant other than keywords and a vague idea to really having some good understanding about time on site and all that stuff. So um, I took the Marcus Sheridan approach and I hired an on, uh, you know, a writer uh, out of college um, that has a journalism background. And I work with her and we do, we do lots of blogs. We do lots of blogging. We answer questions. Um, so just since she started in April and she really didn't start going until May cause we had to kind of onboard her stuff, but we had, I think 40 first page keywords. And then in 90 days we had 53, which is a 32% increase, not a ton still, but we are coming out of basically nowhere. Um, sessions you know were up 60 percent in that time as well so people come wow. into the site and so the so number of visitors uh the no, yeah exactly okay, number exactly of visitors. number of visitors duration have you actually made a dent in that i don't know that number off the top i ha I'm, I'm still learning i definitely not a not a black belt yet but i'm learning but um so that's one aspect and that's going to be the foundation which is People type in, and this is what you've you taught me back in the day, and this is what you've always preached is like, if you're trying to grow your company, you've got to be doing some blogging, even if you don't know how to do it. I mean, I know your company helps people do it, but like just doing it initially, like when I first started with four and a half, I didn't even really know what the per like what I was doing or you know how it was working or not working, but just the process of it, you learn so much. So if I could 
say, okay, one thing you need to focus on long-term, that's not going to be able, you're not going to, it's not a short-term deal, right? But foundationally SEO is just what you have to go after. It's like 80% of the game. Would you agree? Um, I would say very close. So SEO and conversion. Okay. How I'll so? say the two things. So con- conversion is uh, once you have that visitor to your website, mm-hmm. how irresistible are you to them? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if they're in the perfect, if they're your perfect client, because you really have to understand who that is, right? And then develop the experience of your site, not just to throw content there, this is this is actually so this is level two, right? Level one is throw content there. Like right. throw content because that gets you positioning. Yes. Positioning gets you traffic. Traffic gets you potential conversions. You still won't convert very well because your site will be everywhere. Your site is actually pretty good. I have to give you that. Thank it's you. pretty good. But your next your next phase is definitely conversion. And I would say somewhere in between the two is reputation. You're right. And that's where we're just stepping into now is conversion because we knew very little about conversion. And so, you know, we got on the HubSpot tool, which can track a lot of this stuff, but man, it's so complicated, not for the faint of heart, not for like someone that's (laughs) looking to dabble. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so we're looking at, uh, at all those conversion points now and the calls to actions. And when they read this blog, how many people actually take the, the, the call to action that we want them to take? And, um, you know, the heat maps on the website. And so it's three months into really diving deep on this, but I'm learning a ton and um, putting out the content, the blogs, number one, number two is now we're looking at all those conversion points, um, setting up the landing pages, making sure, uh, you know, we're tracking the AdWords correctly, all that stuff. So yeah, man, it's a process, but that is a good point. You've really helped me out with that conversion. You can bring a bunch of people, but if they're not doing what you want them to do, then, you know, that's, that's not working. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it. Well, it's step one is to get to get the crowds, then, then convert them. Right. Um, and then reputation. Right. I think you guys are pretty damn good. Right. Yeah. So I want to talk about reputation real quick. So I built my business initially on Yelp. Um, Every property manager, nine times out of 10, poo-poo that and say, oh, yeah, Yelp sucks and blah, blah, blah. Biggest missed opportunity for everyone that I can't even tell you. Um, I've, I've talked to friends of mine. I'm still trying to talk into like I went to uh, I'm not going to call them out, but I went to a friend's office. Good friend in the Midwest. I, <laughs> I search on Yelp property management. There's like the highest person is like five, like four four reviews right mm-hmm. on the management side but on the r- real estate agent side there's like someone with like 150 reviews five star i call this person oh yeah man we're just killing it and you know why i did this because i know what the answer to my friend's gonna give me oh people don't use yelp here you know they don't mm-hmm. use yelp so anyway i'm not here to like harp yelp but that's just it. we built our business on yelp initially from killing it on reviews we saw the paint writing on the wall early now a couple lessons i learned that hopefully people can learn from number one is oh this is gonna be juicy all right yeah number one is you gotta get you gotta have so many positive reviews and be so in the game that your negative reviews don't matter this is a grant cardone thing who cares about your negative reviews you're in the game long term do you think reviews are going to become more or less relevant Okay, so are we trying to build businesses? What are we trying to do here? Are we being realistic with ourselves? Okay, so if reviews are going to become more relevant, then screw the one-star review. I mean, yeah, you got to control those, and I have a nugget for that too, but don't let it get you down. You know, like you can dig out of the hole, you know? So, and there's systems to set you up with that. 
And it's really a, a culture of asking. The people that are killing it on reviews, they ask. We hammer reviews every meeting, highlight the reviews. Who got the review? That's way to go. You know, bonus on reviews. It's a culture. It's a cultural thing for you. Yes, yes. And I, I pointed a Yelp czar in my office, a Google czar. <laughs> I said, I was tired of banging the drum. So I said, you're the czar. And your job, you're one number. So we give everyone one number in our office. So like rather, there's lots of KPIs, but I think it really helps to have like, just at a simple, your one number is this. Like if you do nothing else, you have to hit this number. So his one number is Yelp and Google. So it's banging the drum and uh, your phone starts to light up. And people, what they want to see on Yelp when they look at you, what we found is number one, I love one-star reviews because it's the best chance to like, you can always flip it if you get to it on time, because now you have a chance, they're usually renters. And now you have a chance to like, really rock their world. So like, it's usually people that didn't get their app feedback or something. So if the owner of the company, and this is a mistake I made that I want to tell the listeners, don't delegate one star review responses. I learned the hard way. Mm. I got on this delegation kick where like my time's so valuable and I can't get caught in the weeds and all this stuff. But there's certain things where I would never delegate. And anyway, I lost track in like a couple of weeks. We had some issues with a vendor and some things. We got like three or four one star reviews. It killed us. So um, I jumped back in. I was able to get a couple of them turned over. But like a renter, for instance, I didn't get the apartment. I contact them. I say, this is unacceptable. It's my company, my fault. Here's your app feedback. What kind of house are you looking for? We're going to work day and night until we find you that house. Hmm. There's, always a, there's always something that you can provide to someone else. And sometimes there's not, but eight times out of 10. So find that opportunity. We, you know, that, that challenge or that frustration is really an opportunity uh, to get it a five-star. You know what I mean? People get caught up in this thing, Steve. And that's, I'm actually glad we're, we're pivoting into, into the, the world of uh, reputation because your advice is so um, – because I, I, you know, I've been saying the same things over and over for the last eight years now that I yeah. – you know, it's, I sound like a broken record. And only so many people believe and, and listen to it. Like they, they, now it's just a repetitive thing. For them, coming from you and somebody who's done it, I think you have, what, 124 Yelp reviews? I looked it up before the show. Yeah, like 133 or something. Yeah. 130, see, it was 124 20 minutes ago, right? <laughs> it's 133 <laughs> now. But seriously, it was, it's, it's like, I, that's, people not only buy on the star rating, which is important, very, very important, but number of reviews is key. Mm-hmm. I think the next company in San Diego, I don't know if you were the highest reviewed, but definitely among the top 5%, right? Yeah. So, so what, what you're saying here is, is so important to understand. And I, I'm the same, look, we have, you know, my company name is four and a half. We do the best we can for you know, 90% of our customers. We can't make everybody happy. You just can't, mm. it's impossible. Right. So you always have those fringes and, and it happens. And, and I think, um, I think not taking it personally is very important. Very, very important. And then, and then what you've done is step further not only not take it personally but actually try to convert them yourself right without yeah. outsourcing that particular function right it's and not that many i mean how, how often do you have to do it once yeah week? not too often you know and that's the thing i was kicking myself because i lost track of how many came in and you know it was kind of this weird thing where this application system we were using wasn't working right and so a bunch of people got mad but uh but no that's something um you know you got to keep your eye on and uh the reputation, man, it's just becoming more and more relevant and, uh, you know, incentivizing the team to, that's part of like their job, you know, is to get these reviews and, uh, and keep your, you know, your company looking good, you know, to the public. That's the key. Um, so 
ba back again to do your formula for, for world domination. Steve Welty, SEO, conversion, reputation. I think, I think SEO, reputation, then conversion. Yes. I think conversion science is ever-changing, and that's something that really can be an ongoing you know, experience. So is content production. So is reputation. Those three things. And I think so the oper operationalizing marketing, I think those three areas are like the biggest ROI, but mm. it will take some time. What else, what else do you, do you take under your marketing umbrella that you feel is producing results for you? Yeah. So I actually want to ask you a question before I answer that mm -hmm. is so the SEO portion is like, we're trying to expand to a, a market 30 minutes away. Uh, Escondido is one area. So it's figuring out how to replicate these micromanagers in these little, in these sub, sub markets, but driving enough SEO. So we do content around the best five property managers in, in Escondido and um, doing AdWords for those areas. But, um, but besides like, con that takes a while to build that up. You know what I mean? Right. 100%. And, yeah. And so we have the virtual office space in the area because clients want to see that you have an office there. So I think that's another key component. Um, and then from a marketing standpoint, it's really, I'm all about inbound. So it's our, our three pillars are communication, transparency, and guarantees. And so I drank the Kool-Aid the first time I heard Marcus and I'm like, we're educators, man. So we're doing the, vid the video blogs, uh, you know, the regular blogs we do landlord seminars where this is actually a really cool thing to do. I learned it from Scott Brady and basically, actually, I haven't even told Scott this, but he sends postcards. It costs like a thousand bucks to get 30 rental property owners in a room, but you can run Facebook ads and get the same amount of rental owners for like a 10th of that price. Yeah. So that's another thing we're doing. And here's the thing with that out of 30, one's going to sign a management agreement. If you're lucky, what I've learned so far, but I'm, I'm sucking at it. I'm learning, but those people are going to start renting at some point. We have rent control on the horizon. We have just next year, we're going to have to start accepting, accepting HUD on all properties in San Diego. And so it's going to become more difficult. And these people are going to retire. And so these are all people going into nurturing. Your prospect, and, baby. Exactly. Boom. Drip campaigns. That's mm. Yeah. And then the other thing we're messing with is these webinars, these auto webinars. Because then we don't even have to bring them in. If we can get them to sign up for the auto webinar, which we have on our website. Um, you know, it's all about capturing the email and then nurturing that relationship, right? So what is your question, Steve? Oh, did I not ask the question? My, <laughs> my question is, that's my thesis I about going into, <laughs> going into <laughs> other markets. The question is this, uh, what else could I do to go to a market 30 minutes away to help gain traction, you know, from an inbound standpoint or just a, a lead gen standpoint? Gotcha. So your question is, you've done some some blogs. Um, is it currently a landing page on your website? Is it currently like a URL, uh, happy, what are you, good life, MGMT forward slash Escondido management? Uh, correct. So we built some site specific pages, which I think are big, right? Right. Um, so we've got Escondido. So anyway, I guess my question was, that takes a lot of time to build up that juice. Sure. But is there anything, because AdWords, you can't really even target AdWords for these particular areas because... You can put in the keywords, but like not where the owner may live in another state, right? 
So it's hard to kind of geo-specific tag that it's person. Almost, yeah, it, it's difficult. You really have to do a shotgun approach to, to the AdWords, just focusing on uh, uh, outbidding the competition on those very few searches because their mm-hmm. search volume is so low in Escondido, right? Like if you're doing Portland, Portland, Oregon, yeah, it's great. You know, there's like 1,200 searches a month. Escondido has got probably 30, if mm-hmm. that. Um, and it's really difficult to pinpoint them, and 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 Google just won't let you really focus on that. So, but there's a specific strategy for the the AdWords not going to help you with SEO. Like that's the biggest myth that um, that needs to be dispelled out there. Mm-hmm. The AdWords do not help with SEO. Even the traffic does not count. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the time on page, none of that actually counts, and that's courtesy of Yelp. Courtesy of Yelp, suing the shish out of Google, <laughs> you know multiple times and winning right and that's why you see yelp ranking sometimes outranking your company is because mm-hmm. you know google is very 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 careful um and so adwords is is good way to establish book of business there right book of business not seo seo i would say um i, I would say you your best bet is um well, it's it just depends. I, I would probably say a microsite versus uh, a landing page, depending on how big the territory is. So, um, one thing you need to do is create tons of content and create links. Like links is going to give you instant domain authority, and that mm-hmm. that's going to start propagating. The challenge with the challenge with a subdomain, and by the way, those of you listening, subdomain just means it's a page on your website rather than its own website. Mm-hmm. The challenge with a subdomain. It's great, uh, and it could rank in itself if the competition is low. If the competition is decent, you want to actually put a microsite up there. And that gives you a chance to get on pins because the microsite will have your address. Right? Got it. Now, what Escondido is a microsite? Address. Can you explain now, that? Yeah, so you have the Escondido address. Is it a virtual address or is it a real address? Virtu- so it's a real it's a real building, but it's a virtual space in the sense that like we'd, we'd have to rent a conference room if from them. Like We don't work there. Time. Yeah, but as far as Google concerned, you can get a pin on the map. Right. We got one oh. already. Oh, you got one? Mm-hmm. So you created its own Google page and all that? We did. Yeah, excellent. So Google page, you create uh, all their own social media channels and sort of like you you get those links, get in uh, um, inbound to the microsite. Um, and then you build content out there. And then what you want to do is you want to link from your big site to that microsite. So that's a big, that's a very important trick right here. So your good life property management, your main site, your mothership, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's good to put content on it and link to your microsite instead of putting content on the microsite. Got it. And what would be the domain for the microsite? Whatever you want it to be. Um, You know, good life property management. So you're talking about building a separate website, essentially, not a landing page for Escondido property management. Yeah, initially it could be landing page. Got it. Right. Initially it could be landing page, but you need to have you need to tick all the boxes, right? You need to have more than 500 words per page. You need to have uh, uh, the site structure, you know, where it's both for owners and tenants. So yeah, there's got to be some there's got to be some substance to it, but it doesn't need to be vast, right? Right. Um, and you can actually do a subdomain. If you want to do it that way, you can do escondido.goodlifemanagement.com because for Google, they count that as its own domain. Got it. Now, now let me ask you this because 
what I've read is, and what I've, what I've heard is that it's not really that difficult depending on the turf, like Escondido property management. So let's say anyone listening wants to go grow in a neighboring city. You just got to look up what's, what's the, you know, who's ranking for it. And if you write a piece of content, that's 2000 words or more magic's going to happen for you. Like, it's not about the, sh- the, it's about like the length of the article now more than, you know, like you used to be able to get away with short, ter- short form. But if you actually like, we're like, we're doing right now, do a deep dive on Escondido property management, like investors that work in the area, uh, different laws you need to know, uh, what's going on around town. Like if you actually wrote like a long white paper or article or microsite around that, that's going to really start to juice after a, a shorter period of time. Would you agree? I would agree. Long-term content. I don't know if it's going to start to do. It depends on a number of factors and how you promote it. Um, but it would definitely gain uh, um, gain significant SEO over a, over time. Don't know how quickly. Um, that remains to be seen. But it's definitely what you want to do. So that's part of the reason why I actually wanted to call this blog or this podcast a long-form content um, uh, as the new oil, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> right? The long-form content is where it's at now. The shorter yeah. ones, you still need that because you need to show consistency. You need a shorter uh, bite size, you know, two to four minute videos and articles for consistency sake because you cannot consistently produce long form content at quality. Right. You just cannot. You've done podcasts. How easy it is to do all that, right? Right. It's just not easy, right? There's just a lot of production, a lot of, you know, scheduling and interviewing and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff go into it. So, um, but the short, the short, answer to your question those of you who are listening who want to take over um and uh, um play in a new area my recommendation is to start by building a very nice well put together page on your website right Mm -hmm. page on your website that is your property management name dot you know forward slash excuse me whatever that you know uh, that city is property management right in, in Steve's case, goodlifemgmt.com forward slash Escondido Property Management. Okay, right. That's where you start. From there, you can convert that into the microsite, right? And then mm-hmm. um, uh, my, my, um, my recommendation is put content on your mothership site and link it to your microsite or link it to that landing page just as well because you want higher domain. Like this is, this is the trick here. Mm-hmm. You want links is, is very important still, yeah. but the quality of the links is the most important thing, right? So linking higher authority sites to your new page is where it's at. I love that. Building a new Yelp page, building a new uh, uh, social media profiles, new Facebook page, building, you would think, oh, I don't need a Yelp page. Yes, you do. It's going to be a link. It's going to be that extra valuable link. Um, building a new Google page. So those are simple stuff. And then, Submitting your articles to NARPM, right? Getting link back, submitting your uh, chamber of commerce, getting all the stuff, a little bit of a PR going. Those links, that, that can, that's how you can do it in a short time. That's interesting. So I'm not drinking my own Kool-Aid, I think, because we haven't done a new Yelp page for this office, but you think that's, that's probably the way to go, right? Well, so mm, in your case now... Um, Here's the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. You have Not established easy. Yelp page with established ranking, ranking rankings, and if you show this empty page, 
this actually might negatively impact conversion, but give you a little bit of SEO juice. Yeah. Linking is something we recently learned and started doing a lot more of. And I, I totally agree. I took some notes on what you said. Um, here's another blog we wrote or check out the, you know, but not just linking to your own content, but linking out to higher authority domains. I love that. We got to do more of that. Right. Um, so, you know, it's the SEO game is, is difficult, but what I think, I think the most important thing, and, and that's why here's, here's, okay. Now I'll, I'll just bring it all together for people who are listening. Okay. You want to dominate in small local areas. First, build your mothership. Okay, use it. Build as a subdomain on your on your website. Put a lot of content on your website. Get your website to rank. Once your website starts getting authority, you can build pages that will rank, or you can build microsites that will rank by you linking to those microsites. You'll have a lot of options. But I think you first start with your page. Um, are you on the first page for San Diego Property Management, Steve? We are. Yeah, we're one or two. Oh, let's see. So that's it, man. You are, you are in a position now to swing that big website um, into small areas. Yeah. Um, so pivoting for a second into social. So social is another big area that, you know, has a ton of promise that not a lot of people are doing maybe well in, but a lot of people are dabbling. But like we go, we do Facebook live every week for brand awareness, top of mind brand awareness. And I've been preaching this is like, when I learned you could download you and all your team's Gmail contacts, all your LinkedIn contacts, uh, whatever other social network you're on, you know, and then upload that to Facebook and be like, hey, show these ads to those people. That's powerful. Those, those are throwing up billboards for people that are just cruising. And uh, I'm already seeing results where people are, like, oh, I haven't seen that mortgage broker in a long time. And he just sent me a referral. Like, how did that happen? Oh, I, he probably must, must have seen one of my Facebook lives. You know what I mean? So, and Facebook live is like easy. It's, it's like intimidating, but it's like easy, man. You just, you just riff. You just go about, you know, hey, are you a property owner looking to double, you know, make more revenue or, you know. I don't know if it's easy, man. I like yours. I like the one. I actually learned. I actually watched the whole thing. The one that you were talking about three, was it three advantages or five advantages of being a landlord? I actually didn't know about the two. Well, I did, but I didn't really know how, how they work. I thought there were, I thought you put a lot of work into that. It, it seemed oh, like a lot of work into that. I, I feel you. So let me rephrase easy. So I've done like 20 of them now and I'm getting more comfortable. It's easy once you get in the swing of it. Um, but yes, initially it's intimidating. But like when I say easy, I mean, it, it literally takes a half hour. Like I'll sit there, it takes a half hour to brainstorm and 10 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes for your video to record. So that's just powerful stuff, I think, for top of mind brand awareness um, to be out there. Because I don't know any other property managers, you know, in my market, at least that are doing that. And so if you're not the person in your company to do that, maybe there's someone on your team that really wants to get into that. Um, you know, but that's a whole nother animal and, and running video ads on Facebook and Instagram for the instant rental property analysis report. So to answer your question, what's my grand scheme? It's like test a whole bunch of stuff and learn and stay, you know, just like I was super motivated to learn about operations and property management. Now I'm super motivated to learn about sales and marketing. And sometimes I have to get in the weeds, but I've told my team, Hey, I'm starting basically a new company inside this company. And when we're doing our leadership team meeting, and they're like, oh, Steve, you want to take this? I'm like, is it sales and marketing? Like, if it's not sales and marketing, it's not mine. 
You know what I mean? And so that's really fired me up because I love operations. I love management, but like I needed something new. And so I feel like I'm best when I'm finding new ideas, I'm teaching, I'm in front of a camera or I'm doing a podcast or I'm building the brand or I'm leading the team. And so I encourage people to find what that is for you. Make a list of all the stuff you're doing, get rid of all the other stuff. And it's going to take a pro it's going to take some time, but that's where you're going to get the enthusiasm and the spirit back. And that, that's where I'm fired up again. Yeah, man. I, I, I am just, I've seen a transformation from last two years was about two years ago. We've been on the, on that mastermind in the beautiful Puerto Vallarta yeah, Lupe. And, uh, and Lupe and uh, guacamole in the castle. And <laughs> yeah. That was just a dream. And then like, it seemed like a dream. Like it was all, that was, that was incredible, man. I don't know. You guys threw that together. It was, uh, we haven't done nice... that again. It was just a lot of work. Um, yeah, I bet, man. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, you, like I've told you this before, but you guys do you and Jordan, you guys come up with ideas and you do it. And not a lot of people do that. And you know, it's commendable and sometimes it works great. Sometimes it probably doesn't, but you do and you learn by doing. And so I, I took some of that and I've been trying to replicate that, you know? Yeah, man, you're doing great. I'm really proud of you. So tell people, Steve, let's uh, tell people where they can find you because you have the property management podcast now. You have the, how would go, if, if property managers want to learn more from you, um, what is your, how do they find your podcast? Yeah, so it's the Good Life Property Management Podcast. You can just search it on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. And uh, yeah, man, I'm really having fun with that. I love learning new ideas. I love just masterminding. My goal is to just, so here's my big thing right now is the law of giving. I just read this book called uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. It's by Deepak Chopra. And you can take this or leave this, but this is my whole mantra right now is like, basically whatever you want in life, you have to give it. We're all vibrations at, at the core and we're all like these like beings, right? So everything is looped into one and we're all kind of technically one person and all that crap. But anyway, what it means for a business person is like, if you want knowledge and you want to know how to run your business better, you got to give that to the world. If you, if you want a review for your property management company, when you go get your haircut, review your damn barber. Sorry, I'm cussed. Um, you know, you got to be cognizant of these things because it all just comes back. Like, so I'm always focusing. It's my mantra. Give what you want to get. And so, you know, think about that and see what it does for you. But it really helps me great. out. Great mantra. I'm going to think about that. I love Deepak. I used to read a lot on Deepak Chopra uh, stuff. And I, and I felt very well, sort of, um, I felt like I understood him pretty well in his concepts. I haven't done that in a while. It might be a time for me to circle back a bit. But uh, good advice there, Steve. Thank you very much for your time, your wisdom. Um, ladies and gentlemen, go find Steve's podcast at Good Life Property Management. Uh, podcast got full of, uh, full of good stuff. And um, Steve, man, uh, we'll see you next time, brother. Thanks for everything, man. All right. Bye. See you.